1: Good morning! It is Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. You're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, we are going to have a great show for you. We're going to be talking Eucharistic revival, especially in the Diocese of Austin. So in the second part of the show, I'm going to have a conversation with Deacon Dan Lupo, who is on the uh, group of us that are uh, trying to sort of organize this for the Diocese of Austin, and we're going to have a conversation about what all is going on, what what it's all about, and how you can be involved. Uh, Also, as always, I want to welcome all our listeners, especially here on KEDC 88.5 FM Hearn-Bryan College Station, as well as our Central Texas listeners on KYAR 98.3 FM Lorena Waco. And also a shout-out to everybody in Palestine listening on KINF 107.9 FM. The show is morning is live, so if you have something that you'd like to share with us, give us a call on 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. I'm joined in the studio this morning by our President Dennis Maka, Good morning, Deacon Who Mike. is relearning everything there is to know about running a radio show.
2: You, you, I took the day off yesterday, and I think I totally reset my brain. He's reminding me about things to do. I'm like, oh, forgot about that. So, yeah. Hey, but we're on, on all stations, and we're clicking, and we're running good. So, thanks be to God.
1: Life is good, because... With the anything mechanical, you're constantly worried that you're going to run into technical issues. And if a computer's involved, that goes up in spades. So
2: Yeah, and, and when Satan's involved and he tries <laughs> to get in there. But, yeah, we're, we're good. So yes. take that, Satan.
1: Everything's going fine. <laughs> now, we're also joined on the air this morning by Deacon, Deacon Robin, Robin Waters. Waters. Deacon Robin, how are you this morning?
3: I'm great, Deacon Mike. It's great to be on with you all.
1: Now, you had mentioned that there's a lot of exciting stuff happening up in the Waco area. What's all going there really
3: on? There's a lot of activity going on. Well, the first thing I wanted to mention is uh, this is a, a Red Sea event that's going to be taking place on July 30th at, at St. Louis Catholic Church at their activity center in Waco. We're going to have our first ever Elites Up here in Central Texas family retreat. So we're. We're partnering with the Blaze Ministries. That's down; uh, their offices are down your area. They have a couple of missionaries at St. Louis, along with Father Miguel there at a uh, St. Louis. Father Ryan is is uh, blessing our efforts, and we're going to spend the day on July thirtieth helping families spend time together, growing in holiness. Uh, talking about prayer, talking about all kinds of. Uh, a prayer, our uh, our family time together, how that relates to our relationship with the Lord, our mission as a family when we're going forth into the world. And uh, so we're going to have th- great speakers for the adults. We're going to have great activities and speakers for the kids of all ages, childcare, lunch, uh, dinner, snacks. It's going to be an awesome time. And it only costs $30 for an entire family. So that's unheard of.
1: Yeah, uh, Definitely affordable for most families
3: Yes, yes I mean, and the more kids you got The better deal you get, right? Right Bring everybody So that's going to be And if you're interested in that Just go to redsearadio.org Forward slash retreat You can sign up Or get more information there We're taking a, uh, registrations right now To get people to uh, to come And enjoy this this great day together And that's our theme together and together we uh, uh, we grow in our love of the Lord and of each other so that's one wonderful thing going on hey but so Deacon Robin let me good. let
2: me emphasize yeah. one more time uh, so if you go to our website everyone go to red the letter c radio.org and you can do forward slash retreat or you can wait till that banner pops up with the uh, the logo for the retreat it says together and it talks about our Waco Uh, Waco area family retreat so click on that and it'll take you straight to the page so go to our homepage and you'll be able to find
1: it and I can tell everybody we had the family retreat here for the Brazos Valley and it was absolutely wonderful and everybody had a great time
2: yeah we've seemed to perfect it really well and this team that you've put together Deacon Robin is really clicking so I'm I'm looking forward to it
3: I think it's going to be great. And, of course, yeah. we're going to start the day off right with Mass and adoration. Confessions will be available. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a great prayerful prayerful day together for families. And uh just encourage everybody to uh, consider coming in and enjoying that day together.
2: Awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun as well. A lot of good food and fellowship along with the the great retreat. So, yeah. So go ahead. What else is going on? I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to remind people one more time. No,
3: no. I appreciate it. I'm probably probably going a little too fast. No, you're doing it. But on uh, this Saturday at 4 at St. Jerome's, they're going to have their garage sale. It's an annual event they have as a fundraiser. And they're just going to have all kinds of wonderful items for sale there. And, of course, what do they say? Um, One man's trash is another man's treasure, right? And I'm sure that everything there is going to be like new. I mean, just knowing the folks at St. Jerome and how uh, Mm -hmm. how, uh, good of folks they are and how they take care of things. So 7.30 a.m. this Saturday at St. Jerome's. Go out and support St. Jerome's by going to the garage sale. There will be some great items I'm sure you'll want to take home. Uh, Also, we've got some parish festivals coming up. Uh, Sacred Heart uh, Catholic Church here in Waco is going to have their parish festival on Sunday, June 26th, from 11 to 6. It's going to be a great day of food, fun, and fellowship. Uh, just encourage everybody to come on out to Sacred Heart uh, Catholic Church in Waco on June the 26th, 11 to 6. Great time together. Uh, also, this is kind of unusual, at Sacred Heart in Lot. Don't have that many Sacred Heart churches around, but at it, Sacred Heart and Lot, that same weekend, uh, theirs is actually going to start on sat- on Saturday, June the 25th, and then continue on through June the 26th. They're having their annual picnic and barbecue cook off, and it comes complete with a horseshoe tournament, wow. a margarita contest. I guess that in- involves uh, tasting also. You have to judge, right? Uh, <laughs> all kinds of uh, raffle, general store, other great. Uh, events for families to get together with and enjoy. So come on out to Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Lot on June the 25th. That starts at 5 with the cook off. And then on Sunday, June 26th, all day long. A couple other things I want to mention quickly. These aren't related directly to parishes, but they are related to helping us grow in our faith. And uh, there is going to be a pilgrimage to the Holy Land in Jordan. It's going to be led by a local pastor, Father James Makocha, from uh, St. Jerome's in October. And uh, if anyone's interested in making a trip to the Holy Land, I'm really interested in doing that at some point, uh, especially with a great uh, holy man like Father James. Uh, you can give Glenda a call at 281-216-1859 and, uh, and get some more information. Check that out. One other thing that's coming up, it's about a year from now, is another pilgrimage, and this is going to be a very interesting, uh, it's going to be a fun trip, also a holy trip, and it it involves one of our former speakers at our benefit dinner, uh, Dr. Michael Foley. He is going to be heading up a uh, pilgrimage to, let's see here, Portugal and Spain, and it is a river cruise. And it's called Dining and Drinking with the Saints. <laughs>
1: That's and
3: so great. he he and his wife are going to be coming up with, uh, well, they've got all these uh, different recipes for drinks that they'll be sharing there. Also, uh, really a celebrity uh, chef is going to be there, uh, Father Leo Patinglinghug. He's part of the e- EWTN group. He's going to be, uh, I guess, the spiritual leader on that on that trip and also doing some cooking. He's a lot of fun. I've seen him on EWTN before. That's going to take place next May. If you're interested in researching that, uh, you can just call 800-842-4842 and uh, check out that fun trip with uh, Dr. Mike and Alexandra Foley to Portugal and Spain. Nice. That kind of wraps up what's going on up here.
1: Well, one thing I wanted to mention the Sacred Heart in Lot. I would love to go there for the margarita contest, but it would be a <laughs> long walk back home. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. Bring bring a designated driver. There folks. you go.
1: Uh, Thank you, Deacon yeah. Robin. Speaking of uh, garage sales, Dennis. Doesn't St. Thomas Saint Aquinas Thomas. have theirs coming yeah. up?
2: Same day as the one in Waco. Uh, they're going to have one at St. Thomas Aquinas and College Station. The pre-sale is on the, the day before, uh, the Friday night before. If you want to pay an admission and pay double, you but you get the first pick, uh, you can call the St. Thomas Aquinas office and find out more about that. But they have a 7 to noon on June 4th. It's a it's a really big garage sale, and uh, they've got a lot of donations And so many donations already that they had to cap them off, and they're no longer accepting donations. So if you're able to go and volunteer to help them now this week to sort through everything they've received already, or if you'd like to go uh, take it off their hands this next weekend, be sure and go do that.
1: And I've always heard that garage sales are a wonderful opportunity to sell all the stuff that you never really needed, to buy other people's stuff that they never really needed. So... Very nice. (laughs) Don't miss out on garage sales, especially not for a good cause.
2: Yeah. And if you uh, are looking to do some great things with your family, with Victory Sports, our newest arm of the Red Sea Apostolate, registrations for league play, volleyball for girls, and flag football for boys in the fall opens today, folks. So victoryyouthsports.org. And we still have about 10 to 12 uh, participants still available for our youth baseball camp for boys on the 6th and 7th this next week. If you go to victoryyouthsports.org and fill that up, because they're filling up real fast.
1: Yes, and I've heard a lot of enthusiasm about victory sports.
2: Yeah, a lot of lot of excitement from the diocese, from families, from the kids, in learning the faith and growing in virtue and in, in learning about the sports they're very interested in. So it's a, it's been a lot of fun.
1: One thing I wanted to touch on before we go to our first break, um, Today, our saint of the day is St. Justin Martyr, and some of you may never have heard of St. Justin Martyr. Uh, He was actually born in 100 A.D., and uh, he was a pagan who converted to Christianity, but he was a philosopher who spent a lot of time after his conversion defending the Christian faith. He actually wrote letters to the emperor at the time supporting Christianity, and uh, explaining Christianity to the emperor. Now, the reason St. Justin Martyr is fascinating to us is so often when we talk to other people, they say that a lot of the things that the Catholic Church does were just added in, that over time these things just became norm. And the beautiful thing about Justin Martyr is reading his um Uh, Apology and uh, Letters to Trifo, it shows that all the things that he talks about are things that we are familiar with, especially his explanation of what the Mass looks like. And it's really worth reading. But I thought, especially since we're going to be talking about the Eucharistic revival in our second section, I'd like to read to you something that Justin Martyr wrote Nineteen hundred years ago, about the Eucharist. And this food is called among us the Eucharist. For not as common bread and common drink do we receive these, but in like manner as Jesus Christ our Savior, having been made flesh by the Word of God, had both flesh and blood for our salvation. So likewise have we been taught that the food which is blessed by the prayer of His Word and from which our blood and flesh by transmutation are nourished, is the flesh and blood of that Jesus who was made flesh." This is why we talk about a Eucharistic revival. We want to get back to this heartfelt belief in the Eucharist. It's sad when you talk about the Eucharist nowadays, and so many people refer to it as a symbol. And of course, In a sense, it is a symbol, but it is not a symbol in the fact that we think it just uh, represents it. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. We will see you on the other side talking about the Eucharistic revival. Don't go away. I was dead in the grave. And we're back again. You're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. And as I mentioned in the first part of the show, we're going to be talking to Deacon Dan Lupo from St. Thomas More Parish in Austin, who is also on the team working for the diocese on the Eucharistic Revival and so we're gonna spend a little bit of time talking about what it means, why we need it, and what it's going to look like. And um, it's still in the works, so some of the things may change over time, but uh, at the moment, this is the best that we know. So, without further ado, Deacon Dan, how are you this morning?
0: I'm doing well, Deacon Michael. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me onto the show to talk about, in a very important matter, the Eucharist, and a very um, at a very critical time in our church's uh, life, where um, you know, according to the Pew Research Organization, that seven out of ten Catholics struggle to believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So. Um, So that's that's kind of the backdrop for this whole uh, movement towards a Eucharistic revival that the U.S. bishops have put into place.
1: One of the things that struck me on that Pew research was the fact that not only is it almost 7 out of 10 Catholics that don't believe in the real presence, but 43% believe that that's what the church teaches.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got our work cut out for us. Um, not only are um, we doing a poor job of catechizing, um, but we're we're just we're missing the mark in uh, in terms of um, feeding uh, the the faithful. Um, the core beliefs of our of our of our religion of our faith, you know I was thinking about um, this finding by the Pew research, and you know I think human beings desire something bigger than themselves, something better, something beyond themselves, and we live in a culture that finds satisfaction in that in uh, movies that are about comic book heroes, uh, or about fantasy wizards, or about uh, dystopian futuristic uh, um, uh, landscapes, um, and and people embrace that. You know, people are flock to that kind of uh, uh, presentation of. Something beyond us. And yet, when we, uh, in our faith tradition, our Catholic, beautiful Catholic faith tradition, when we say there is um, a spiritual dimension to our lives, there is a place beyond death that we go to, there is um, a reality. called God, that is bigger than us and greater than us, who loves us, who seeks to feed us in Word and Eucharist. Uh, and, you know, we could go on and on. People are kind of scratching their heads these days saying, oh, you know, that's kind of a nice story. Yeah, it's cute. It's quaint. Um, and they are less ready to embrace that. The the prevailing measure in our society of what's real and what's not real is the scientific method. If my eyes and ears and taste buds tell me one thing, that's, that's data that I cannot ignore. And the yearning for mystery, the, the, the beyond the reality, beyond the tangible reality um just gets quelled or 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 or, or um, um shunted off into like i said these movies or these books or whatever um and it's and it's kind of sad uh i know our the listeners to this program are are probably at least i'm i'm hoping uh, are the three uh the thirty percent the three out of the ten uh so i I hope what I've just said um, resonates with with folks, and if not, certainly call in and and yell yeah. at Deacon Michael, and 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 I'll be gone, and <laughs> and, uh, and that'll be great. Um, but I think the bishops saw that the U.S. bishops saw that research finding; they read the signs of the times. They looked around at our culture and said, you know, we need to do something. And the something that they um, uh, brought out is this Eucharistic revival, which is a refocusing, a, a celebration of the central tenet of our faith, which is the Eucharist as the source and summit. Uh, of everything we do it's it's who we are. the church is the body of christ, and uh through word and through um the uh uh sacrifice at the altar, we are drawn into the body of Christ, and we in fact become little christs Christians I think is the name uh And uh, it's it's that that wafer that our eyes tell us, oh, that's just a wafer. And it's the wine that our, our taste buds say, oh, it's just wine. That through the power of the Holy Spirit and the priest's repetition of Jesus' words transforms into the actual body and blood of Jesus who feeds us who, in the Gospel of John, we hear him say, unless you eat my body, my flesh, unless you drink my blood, you will not have life within you. Uh, And I've come to give you life. I've come to give you myself. So please, Jesus says, please, if you want to be my disciples, eat my body, drink my blood, partake of the Eucharist, which is my presence um, after I ascend to my Father, to our Father, and our Father sends the Spirit. When I said, I will be with you always, I will be with you at every Mass, speaking to you through the Word and feeding you through my body and blood
1: on the altar. It's interesting that... You were following this line because in the first part of the show, our saint of the day, of course, was St. Justin Martyr. And I read one of his quotations on the Eucharist, which basically says exactly what we've just been talking about. Beautiful. And so this is not something, you know, that was developed over time in the church. This is what the apostles passed on, uh, what was their understanding of what Jesus said, And this was lived out in the liturgy of the church. And this is what the Eucharistic revival is attempting to tap back into so that all of us once more come to realize that, you know, when we say this is the body and blood of Jesus, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, that's exactly what has always been understood to be the case in the history of the church.
0: Yes. Uh, the beauty of i think one of the beauties of our uh, faith tradition is that it it doesn't reinvent itself to accommodate the times it's it holds on to core beliefs core understandings from jesus on and we may have to tweak the, the presentation of the message which i think the eucharistic revival Actually, is trying to reach those seventy percent of Catholics who um, somehow didn't get the message that truly it is. Um, but yeah, we um, the message never changes; it's how it's presented that uh, to reach the modern ear or the current uh, way of understanding. So the the work of the Eucharistic revival. Is um, I mean the core message is still the same message as as you've just said the, Justin Martyr uh, were he alive today could you know could kick off the Eucharistic revival for us and lead us in that and it would be the same message um, so again that's a that's the beauty of our faith we we don't we don't have it uh, there's nothing new it's it's always It always has been Jesus is our Savior, and oh, by the way, Jesus is in the Eucharist. Uh, And partaking of the Eucharist Eucharist is what uh, connects us to his gift of salvation.
1: One of the things that I also wanted to uh, talk a little bit about is uh, that—and you just brought this uh, up—how we talk about the Eucharist is important in mm-hmm. passing on to others the core belief of mm-hmm. the Catholic Church in the real presence. And so, mm-hmm. you know, part of the Eucharistic revival as far as I see it is trying to understand uh, trying to understand how we might sometimes say things that m- could be misconstrued and uh, so, when we're talking about the Eucharist, we should be careful that you know we speak of it as
0: appropriately. Yeah. You know, I I love that that phrase that you shared just now: body, blood, soul, and divinity. And it rolled off your tongue, and it and it tickled my ear because I you know I know what those four things mean and it's it's it it quickens my pulse but for so many Catholics that's just church talk and so our job during the next three or four years is to re educate to catechize people into what something like that really means. What does body, blood, soul, and divinity really mean and hopefully the gears will mesh the 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 understanding will click and that will move people to a different kind of encounter when they're in the line for communion or a different kind of encounter when they come to pray in eucharistic adoration um what we're talking about at it's very essence at its most basic level is a relationship. The Eucharist is not a magic pill. It's not a rabbit's foot. It's not a, uh, you know, something somebody made up in the middle ages just to, uh, confuse people. The Eucharist is Jesus saying, when I talk to, to each one of us, The Eucharist is, is, I mean, Jesus is saying in the Eucharist, each one of us, come, come, my brother, my sister, let us, uh, let us be one as my father and I are one. I seek communion with you so that this life that you're given, the gift of this life can be lived to its fullest and the mission of your baptismal call to build the kingdom of God can be fulfilled with my help, with the graces that I I give, that you receive in the sacraments, starting with the Eucharist.
1: You raise an important point. Uh, One of the conversations we had in our discussions on the Eucharistic revival is about the importance of not taking people's understanding of the terminology for granted. Yeah. So often we say things that, for instance, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, you know, yeah. most people can repeat that without understanding fully what it is that the Church is saying when it defines the Eucharist as such.
0: Right, right. And And, you know, one of the, Tenets of spiritual direction is to meet the person where he or she is, uh, and to understand where the person is in their understanding of their relationship with God, and to to meet them there and to go forward. And I think that's the core strategy of the Eucharistic revival, or it has to be, uh, which is don't assume um, <laughs> what you're saying or what you're teaching; everyone automatically understands. It's to, it's to uh, slow things down and really define our terms uh, and uh, explain um, not only what the, te- what the church teaches, but to def- define terms and to explain why the church teaches what it teaches. Um, you know, in, in terms of, um, um, you know, prayer, for example, So many people would define prayer as saying the Our Father, saying the Rosary, uh, saying the Glory Be, and they would be right. And there are other people who would say, well, prayer is silence before the Blessed Sacrament, and they would be right. And, you know, the Catechism defines uh, oral prayer, verbal prayer, uh, meditative prayer, and contemplative prayer so again if this were about prayer we would have to define each of those different types of prayer and then take the next step and say now what's the purpose of each of those you know so in the in the same way for the eucharistic revival um we we do we need to meet people where they're at and i think where they're at is a pretty basic level for many many catholics um poorly catechized as as i was in the 70s and 80s um you know we kind of uh, we kind of missed out on um some of the the, the beauty and the treasure of church teaching of uh, that um you know if it were just explained to us a little bit better maybe we would have a better grasp of um the real presence at this point um And speaking of the real presence, I think another arrow in the quiver of um, what we want to do with the Eucharistic revival is talk about Eucharistic miracles, um, where the host, which, again, our worldly eyes look at and see it as a little wafer. Um, in, in instances over the years, has turned into bloody material, or, or, I'll say, red-tinged material that, when scientists have analyzed it, they've discovered, oh, it's human tissue. Oh, and by the way, it's not only just human tissue, it's heart tissue. And in one finding I, I, th- I thought this was just incredible Not only is it heart tissue, but that heart tissue shows signs of distress, as if that heart had undergone some sort of physical trauma. Now, if you think about you know Jesus and uh, his passion, that would have that would explain why that heart tissue evidenced some physical trauma, and and it's it's example after example after example of these Eucharistic miracles. There are books out there, there's websites out there. I urge listeners to um, just do a Google search on Eucharistic miracles. Um, you'll probably come up with a website called the real presence and they have, uh, they do a good job of, uh, recounting some of these incredible stories, but, um, uh, you know, if, if the scientific method is the measuring stick of the day and, uh, you know, if, If we are all doubting Thomases who need to put our fingers into the wounds before we even can say, yes, truly, Jesus has risen. Well, read about the Eucharistic miracles because uh, science uh, has taken these mystical phenomena and explained them as uh, human tissue, human blood. Um, and And I believe the blood type, and i can 't remember a b or whatever it is a b mm-hmm. yeah and it 's it 's the universal donor is that is yes. that yeah i mean isn 't it appropriate for our Lord whose grace is <laughs> who who donates his grace universally? Hey, wait, universally, where have I heard that word before <laughs> oh yeah that 's what the word Catholic it means, means. <laughs> anyway.
1: I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to remind our viewers, uh, our listeners, that uh, we're talking with Deacon Dan Lupo on the Red Sea Roundup. We're talking about the Eucharistic revival, and uh, this is the Church's desire to reintroduce the Catholic Church to what the Church has always taught about the Eucharist. And one of the things that you brought up in your conversation is this notion of transcendence that, you know, in our world, we want everything to be materialistic, even though deep in our hearts, we have a sense of the transcendent. But you were talking about Eucharistic miracles. And one of the things I find fascinating about Eucharistic miracles is that in every one of the cases, you stumble into the question, well, we have the scientific data. What we can't explain is why it's present in the first place
0: <laughs> and there and therein lies the rub. it is uh we bump up against mystery, and uh you know, at the beginning of mass, uh the priest says. So that we can partake of these sacred mysteries worthily and well. Let's call them in our sins. Okay, fine. What, what are these you, mysteries, sacred mysteries he's talking about? He's talking about this incredible gift that we are given, that at every Mass, Jesus is able, is present. He's, he, he shows up and manifests himself through his word and through his body and blood. And this is not uh, of the physical world, okay? This is totally metaphysical. It's, it's, the, it's the mystery of our faith. It's the beautiful transcendent, um, um, what? The, the transcendence of our faith that, that draws us out of ourselves and reminds us to stay humble because we don't have all the answers and we're not supposed to have all the answers. You know, mystery, the notion of mystery in our, in our faith is not that, oh, well, there's just some things we can't understand. No, it's that there are things that are beyond our understanding that are, are that God reserves for himself because he is omnipotent, and omnipresent, and the creator of everything, uh, and which explains what was going on in the Garden of Eden. You know, God said, okay, Adam and Eve, anything you want, anything you want, except don't make decisions about good and evil. That's above your pay grade. That's my call. I will dictate what is good and what is evil, what is good and bad, and... And this is what we do. All of us who are um, secretly nicknamed Adam uh, and n- nicknamed Eve, we usurp God's, um, what, is, what is God's uh, domain. And we say, we'll make our own decisions. And that beautiful sin of pride comes in. We got this, God. We don't need your help right now. And God just kind of shakes his head and says, "Okay, well, you know, I warned you." <laughs> and then we drop to our knees because we've driven our our lives into the ditch, and we're like, "Help us, Lord!" You know, and He does it, it, out of an abundance of divine mercy, He He does help us every time we trash and burn.
1: You brought up um, another excellent. One of the ways- go ahead ahead. Uh, you brought up another excellent point when you were talking about the mystery part uh, and you know sacraments basically means mystery it's the latin version of the greek mysteria so but this is one of the things when we're talking about the eucharistic revival trying to explain terminology things like transubstantiation you know we don't use substance in as in the same way that it would have been used by the St. Thomas Aquinas. But when we right. talk about the essence of something, you know, right. what it truly, truly is. And all we talk about when we talk about transubstantiation is that the creator of all things has the ability to change the essence of something without changing what it looks like.
0: Right. Right. And in the philosophical term there is an accident the external yes uh, accident versus the essence and 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 that's where we bump our heads we we say oh but it looks like just a mm-hmm. little uh, wafer and it, and it and it's it's red like wine and it smells like wine and it tastes like wine and yet uh we who are those of us who are mired in the culture that says facts are facts you have to prove your uh your argument and reasoning is is uh the almighty standard for um winning an argument or winning a a conversation you know there goes humility out the window there goes surrender there goes um acknowledgement that there is a spiritual dimension to our lives a spiritual realm that um you know, we've we've heard it said. Um, we s- some people define us as uh, human beings with a spiritual side, and others say, "No, we're spiritual beings that have a hum- <laughs> that are st- kind of stuck in a human form." And um, uh, whichever way you want to spin it. The, the idea that there is a spiritual dimension at work, that's the thing I think we need to reclaim, because um, if there is no spiritual dimension, then there's no need to believe in uh, the Eucharist as the real presence of Jesus Christ. But, uh, but if we do acknowledge there is a, a spiritual realm and that there is a, a loving, benign creator God who sent his son to be with us and guide us, uh, so that our sin and our physical death are not the end all and be all of our lives, but his grace and his
1: mercy are then
0: then now we're now we're talking now we're cooking with gas
1: well, and this is exactly what you were just talking about uh, the fact that reason can only take us so far because we do live in. A world that has a spiritual component, and so when reason, when we try to reason things out, s- such as eucharistic miracles, but even the creation of the world, we bump up against the transcendent. Well, if the mm-hmm. world was created in the Big Bang, and if science can move us all the way back to that first atom, it still leaves us with a question: Where did that first atom come from? Right, and so. Reason yeah. will only take us so far, which is why Fides et Ratio, faith and reason is the only way that and we reason. can understand the world we live in.
0: Beautifully I'm... put, my brother. Absolutely. And um, um the one of the goals of the Eucharistic revival has to be an acknowledgement that what we're dealing with here. Is not physical reality so much as metaphysical reality, as that spiritual realm, as the um, the uh, the part of us who that yearns to pray. That's where that's what we're dealing with. That's the realm we're dealing with. It's the it's the acknowledgement that there's a um, spiritual realm, and the Eucharist uh lives and moves and has has its being in that spiritual realm. Uh and it's you know, it's 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 a, it's going to be a hard effort because we're so mired in our day to day world. Our and, and it just seems like in my short life of sixty three years, um we've gotten We've gone from being ankle deep to knee deep to maybe even hip deep now into um the physical world and materialism and the what's going on in Washington and what's going on in Moscow and what's going on there is we do absolutely live in that in this physical world, not saying to ignore it, but uh, to hold on to it lightly because the greater reality is the spiritual reality of our lives. Um, this is what Jesus was, was uh, dealing with in his own time in, in trying to um, preach the good news. People were poor and sick and trying to get by, and they were oppressed by the Roman soldiers, and they were oppressed by their own overbearing religion as as offered through the the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. And Jesus comes along and says, you know what? It's about relationship with the Father, not so much about following the rules. Nothing wrong with the rules. But if they interfere with the uh, relationship you have with your heavenly Father, then something's wrong. And the power of the story of the Good Samaritan is that it it demonstrates this. The first two people who saw the um, the uh, poor poor guy who was beat up were following rules. I can't engage in that person i I would be ritually unclean. I can't go minister to that person. It's it's kind of against my, <coughs> excuse me, it's against my um, beliefs. And then here comes the Samaritan who just says, there's a man in need right now. I. There's a spiritual truth that transcends all these rules that we're trying to follow. Um, yeah. So all that to say, um, the Eucharistic Revival, the events and the uh, um, efforts of the Eucharistic Revival has uh, has a lot of headwind. It's, it's going to take uh, a concerted effort by uh, many people and, and the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us to, um, to move the needle, to, to make a, a little bit of difference in people's lives and uh so that the next time the pew researchers you know do their study uh those numbers will be different and i'd love to see them reversed. i'd love to say see it say uh we found that 70 percent of catholics believe in the real presence and i you know being a realist i'd say i'd, I'd be happy with 50 50. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after this Eucharistic revival, I mean, unless the Holy Spirit just wants to do His thing in a in a big way, which I'm I'm down with that, uh, and I'll help as much as I can with that. But um, it's just that it's it's a, it, we're asking people to become more countercultural and and to um, hold lightly to all the shiny objects of the culture, and to um, hew more closely to what the church has preserved and passes on the truth that will set you free.
1: One of the things I wanted to touch on, based on what you were just talking about, the, the need for an emphasis on the spiritual side of things. One of the things that the Eucharistic revival is going to be focusing on is opportunities for us to engage with the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, from the diocese to the parish, to the family, to the individual, the emphasis is going to be, how do I re-engage with Jesus on a personal level? And so... That is. Go ahead.
0: No, I, I, I love how you uh, teed that up. That is the um, the, the four um, focuses the year four years four upcoming years uh, of the focus for the Eucharistic Revival. The first level, the highest level, is going to be the diocese. And um, if you haven't heard it yet, um, the Saturday before the Feast of Corpus Christi, at, the Sunday. Um, The Diocese is is, um, hosting a a Eucharistic procession from San Jose Catholic Church, walking to St. Edwards with the Eucharist in the Monstrance. Uh, First of all, having Mass at at San Jose, then then processing to St. Edwards and having uh, some time for Eucharistic adoration. Um, to kick off this first year, which begins, um, June, 2022 ends June, 2023, that the first year being the focus on the diocese, uh, and then the shifts the next year to, um, the focus on the parish and, uh. Workers, as we speak, are busily creating a website with lots of resources for uh, pastors and uh, other ministers at at the at the parish to promote Eucharistic revival at the parish level. Guest speakers, videos, other resources, websites, um, both Spanish and English, um, that each pastor can decide how he wants to uh, promote Eucharistic revival at the parish level. And then the next year, the focus shifts to the family and how uh, the domestic church can implement or promote Eucharistic revival. How does the family recognize Jesus' presence in the Eucharist, and how does this desire for the Eucharist, uh, that that Jesus himself, uh, promoted, uh, how does that make a difference at, at the family level? And hopefully,
1: and hopefully through the efforts of the diocesan level and the parish level, the families will have the tools to implement this in their lives.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's almost like trickle-down economics. Um, Yeah, the diocese uh, creates the context for the parishes, which then creates the context for the family, which then trickles down to each individual. How do I, as to to reiterate what you said, how do I personally encounter, re-encounter, deepen my encounter with Christ present in the Eucharist? That's the whole thrust of this... Eucharistic revival, and there is a remember when Pope Francis had that prayer meeting at the at the uh, that that prayer session i should say the Eucharistic adoration session uh at a rainy vatican uh, uh saint peter's evening dusk uh i mean what he was doing was saying and the and the whole thing was about the pandemic if I remember correctly yes. he was he was he was turning to Jesus in the eucharist saying lord we need your help and i i just love that that image of him praying before the the blessed sacrament jesus present in the blessed sacrament on behalf of catholics worldwide as our spiritual leader saying this is what we do when faced with adversity, we turn to the Eucharist. We put all our trust in our Lord and Savior.
1: Jesus, I trust in you. Shell. So. One of the most iconic images, I think, for the Catholic Church in recent memory, and everyone saw it, you know, that image of Pope Francis by himself with the Blessed Sacrament. And I think. Powerful. Yes. And a reminder that all of us as individuals, as families, as parishes, and as a diocese need to re engage with Jesus, especially in times like these. Now, we're running very close to the end of our um, time on this show, and I can't believe we're already used up the entire 40 minutes. So I'd like for you in the last uh, 30 seconds or so, Go ahead and give me a short understanding of why this is important. Why are we having a Eucharistic revival?
0: We're having a Eucharistic revival because the world is in such need of healing and in need of uh, course correction, in need of finding its way through the mess that our society is in, and, you know, we we are embarking upon a Eucharistic revival because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Well put. Jesus, Jesus present in the Eucharist is the way, the truth, and the life.
1: There you go. Uh, yep. I want to remind everybody the procession for the Diocese of Austin is on June 18th uh, at San Jose, 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh I want to invite everyone to participate in it if possible. Also, I want to invite everybody to listen to the Red Sea Roundup next week. Uh, We're going to have another great show. Until then, when considering the many ways in which you might share your time, talents, and treasure with the people of God, always round up.